I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Tika is a multidisciplinary artist, film composer, artistic director, cultural curator, consultant, and activist. Tika added film scoring to her repertoire in 2019 after graduating from the Canadian Film Centre in 2021. To date, she scored eight short films, four cartoon series, four feature films, and is the 2022 Canadian Academy Award winner for Best Original Music in the film Learn to Swim. Last year, Tika started her first non-for-profit organization, Stereo Visual, which aims to teach marginalized musicians and producers how to transition into making music for film in an effort to create equity in the film industry. As a musician, Tika has opened for major R&B heavyweights like John Legend and Neo and is listed by Complex Magazine as one of the most prolific creatives in Toronto. Tika's debut album was released in spring of 2021 titled Anywhere But Here. And in addition, Tika was also the only Canadian musician to model for Sephora two years in a row. And her billboards can be seen all across Canada. So please welcome to the show, Tika. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. hey girl. I don't sound like my accolades. <laughs> oh, no, I'm a little ratchet. I love the realness. I love the authenticity. Funny enough, earlier today I had a conversation. I don't know if you know who they are, but I had um, a conversation with Cat and Nat, and they were talking about oh, Cat um, and Nat. So it's it's two women, their moms. Between them, they have like seven kids, but they built a brand on just being oh. authentic and raw. I'm gonna and follow them, Cat and Nat. Cat and Nat, yeah. That's so so they they were on. They were hosting. I believe it was Breakfast Television, and they said that they called mm. them. What did they call them? Unpolished because mm. they were. 
like their hair's done, makeup's done, outfits done, but they're like real, raw, authentic, like give zero Fs yeah. type of women. Yeah. So we love that. <laughs> we love yeah, the authenticity. We, we don't oh, we don't need them. to sound like our bios. <laughs> wow. BFFs with seven kids between us. They're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna dig in there after. <laughs> But so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting how, even how you said that when I read your bio, you're like, you don't sound like your bio. I think society <laughs> has placed us into this thought process of we have to fit into a particular box or something has to look a particular way. Mm-hmm. And what I've always loved about you from following you over the years on social <laughs> is you have this authentic look, you do you, and I think <laughs> more people <laughs> should be that way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I do have my own look. (laughs) I didn't really realize it, you know, until uh, the Sephora campaign. Like, I wasn't really paying attention. And, you know, my hair especially, like, I think that that's one of the things that kind of, like, people have gravitated towards the most is, like, the haircut. Mm -hmm. And I cut my hair in 20... I want to say it was like 2017, but what a lot of people don't know is I cut it after um, going through a sexual assault. Mm. So I went through a really rough time uh, with that process. And when I, when I cut the hair, it felt, um, it felt uh, cleansing. It felt, and I did it myself. Like I took, <laughs> I remember I, I took the razor, like Britney Spears child to my head. <laughs> okay we we doing this you know yeah and I remember calling my hairdresser Monique and be like Mo I don't know what to do and she's like why would you do this <laughs> and I was like I don't know you know and she was like well Tika there's nothing we can do we gotta slap on a wig <laughs> right so I just I think that um I think that the it was uh it was uh, what's the word Cathar- cathartic cathartic it was cathartic. It was like, I needed to feel something. And I think that um, after being in a place of such severe pain, I felt, uh, how can I say, like, I felt like I needed to feel something malleable. And so that was the nearest thing to do. And Mm -hmm. so when I hear of other women, like cutting off their hair, it doesn't always have to be like assimilated with abuse, but I understand that it's a, it's an experience. And I think that they say like, when you have locks, you're supposed to cut your hair like every seven years, like to shed weight or something like there's, there's a, there's a great deal of, and of course there's like the kink in my hair, you know, that speaks about, you know, if, um, and maybe perhaps it's, the intimacy it's like this person had their hair in my head so now it's like I have to start from scratch like you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a process of kind of like shedding the old and uh and you know rebirthing if you will you know yeah I, I yeah. Totally, totally understand and I'm I'm sorry you even had to experience that abuse oh. and you know we'll we'll get into I guess your healing journey from that um, yeah. as we we go but Thank it's you. interesting that you shaved your head off when you went through that experience mm-hmm. because I find especially for black women our hair means a lot to us you know mm-hmm. like other cultures will observe that you know we change our hair often or we switch it up with wigs or extensions or protective styles or whatever and you said that when you shaved it off it was cathartic for you so I would mm-hmm. love if you could go deeper and talk about how that helped you I wouldn't say that the process of shaving it like helped me, you know, prior to me going through this experience and, and you have to understand, I'm so grateful that 
and not to say that, you know, people deserve abuse or people deserve harm. Um, but what that experience did for me was it helped me to slow down. I think that I was kind of like uh, bulldozing through life and I wasn't really paying attention at all. And so when that happened, I had no choice but to kind of stop and cease with everything that I was doing and take like a really clear look at my life and my, uh, I guess like just my methods of performance and realize that something really drastically had to change. And I also didn't know, I was very aloof about healing. I didn't know anything really about it. Uh, Like I'm from the church. I'm from a Pentecostal Christian background. So like, you know, my ideas or like what I was taught about healing was, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. They're going to hover hands. I'm going to drop like, like the fly and speak in tongues and everything's good. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Everything's gravy, but no, it's not gravy. It's not, it's a little bit deeper than that. So like, and especially for women at the time too, the friends that I had at that time, they didn't understand the severity of what I had gone through because they had normalized it in their own respective lives. Mm -hmm. And so what I felt was beyond every sense of the word, a non-negotiable, like this is horrendous. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh yeah. Like they were like, oh yeah, sorry. See you next week. And I'm like, no, this is not, you know? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I think I need to change my circle because people are not understanding the gravity of this, or maybe it's just so normalized within this respective community that someone should be hollering like this is you know, yeah. most of the time in my friend group, I feel like the lady from The Simpsons that's like, <laughs> won't someone please think of the children? Like, I'm that lady. <laughs> like, that woman, the, the reverend's wife, I'm like, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I get her. And everyone's like, she's so annoying. I'm like, but she's real, you yeah. know? Yeah. Why isn't anyone thinking about this? So, like, I think that... The shaving the head initially, it felt, uh, it felt freeing. It felt like I was, uh, free from something. And, you know, I think that, you know, black people in general are so deeply spiritual that, um, you know, things like hair, um, you know, things like connectivity with the body, uh, you know, I think those things are really deep for us, you know? Yep, I agree. And when you so when you said that about the spiritual part of it, I think sometimes Mm. even some of our traditions or things that we've grown up with, whether it be from our families or our church or whatever part of the community, there's a lot of things that to us are spiritual, and we may not even understand the depth or the background of it until we get older. Like exactly, everything is energy. So your hair, all these things that we hold on to, right? And then. I, I wanted to unpack two other things that you said. One was mm-hmm. the normalizing of your experience. So again, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. But one, it happened to you and you had to experience that. And two, not having the support that you needed in that time because mm-hmm. it's very normalized. And I don't want to say just in the Black community because I've heard this from other mm-hmm. cultures. But of course, I, I feel like... With, amongst women. Amongst yeah. women. Yeah. I, and I was like, I don't know... It's interesting because when I was young, my mom, single black woman, you know, 
I was raised by a single parent and I am the eldest of five. I'm amongst mainly men. Okay. And it's like my mom, she raised me to read books like CC No Touch. Like she was just like, we're going to read this book. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of like how I was raised. But then, and you know, it's not to put my mom's business on front stream, but like, it's like her relationships with men were not good. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think I saw that and I think I mirrored that for a while. And it wasn't until I was maybe about 29 or 30 that I started questioning whether or not she knew the all the answers. And I was like, I think I need to start thinking about whether or not my mom's life choices need to be my life choices. And what do I need to aspire to attain in terms of a relationship? Like, do I want marriage? My mom is still single to this day. It's like, do I aspire to have these things? But those things were not normalized in my in my household. So there was a lot going on in terms of just like shifting Um, shifting in terms of foundation, my own interpersonal foundation, my friendship circle, um, but also even my own thought processes. Like, what do do I I want? What's my value system like? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, all of those things kind of came to a head um, with the assault. That was like, you know, even though it was a horrible experience, I, I had so much growing to do. And mm-hmm. I had no idea how much growing I had to do. I was really stuck, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just, I'm grateful. It's one of those interesting things that it's like, yeah, this happened to me, but now I look at it like it just happened. Yeah. I mean, you were able to to take your pain and transmute that, that pain into some form of purpose. And I'm sure that like the mm-hmm. music and stuff like that helps with the creativity for you to express yourself. Sure. But what's, what's scary with the normalization of it is like, eight out of 10 women that I know, you know, black and women of color have either experienced, you know, childhood molestation or some Mm -hmm. form of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And the way that your friends reacted to normalizing it, like it's scary where Mm -hmm. someone can need the the support, whether that be emotionally or what have you and not get it because something has become normalized. And there's Mm -hmm. so many forms of um, trauma that I find, especially in the black community that have mm. become normalized because that's yes. what we know. Right. Well, well, exactly. Like, I mean, it just got to the point where it was like, okay, if I'm talking to you about my trauma and your solution is let's go to the club, girl, let's get, let's drink, let's drink. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I don't, that sounds I think, to me like, let's numb the pain. Let's cover it up. Let's sweep it I under a rug. Like I watched enough <laughs> Ian uh, fixed my life to know that this is not the answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? So I just, I think that I had to go because when you're going on your healing journey, it's a personal journey. It's like, I can't take all you, all you, uh, I was going to say all you hoes, but you know, I can't take all you hoes with me. Yeah. <laughs> but for real, <laughs> I yeah. can't take y'all. You know, it's, it's a real personal thing and it's like not everybody uh you know wants to go down that path not everybody wants to do the work yeah. you know what's that jay cole song don't don't save her she don't want to be saved exactly <laughs> but it's so you're true right. you, can't, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped and then yeah. when you're on your own healing journey and you're evolving and you're trying to get to a, a particular place everyone's right. evolution journey is different 
So right. they may not understand your journey until they've walked through some things that they need to heal from, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can't, and and that's the thing. It's like, you can't, um, I thought that once I, you know, I thought it was going to be a revival. I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and was like, you know? But then it's like, it's not, it's not the same. Like, people are not happy for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of times it's not because, they um they don't want to be it's because they can't be because yeah. they're still in like severe pain yeah you know what i mean or because they haven't done the work or because yeah. like so i thought it was gonna be like oh let's just circle back and i'm just like oh no it's not no no, no. it's no. just it is what it is yeah so i had to i i had a lot of growing to do there this was not like a normalized uh practice like I really didn't have anyone in even my family even to go go to about this it was a very personal thing um and I was I really give it up to um the people in the community that helped me there were so mm-hmm. many people in the community that really reached out to me and they were just like I I see I see where you're at sis like you know what I'm saying and I think yeah. that also the alternative side of it is that because I'm a performer, because I'm an entertainer, there were a plethora of people that only saw me as a method of performance. They didn't think that it was real. And I was like, that's a whole nother can of worms that I'm I'm trying to navigate through is finding people that actually um, care about me outside of like the performative optics. It's like, mm-hmm. I need... Uh, I need nurture. I need to be held. I need, I need support. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a great deal of learning, unlearning, um, removing myself from different circles and ultimately finding solace in myself mm-hmm. and God, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. People say that like, you know, open me say that, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's God is the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you said so many things that I want to unpack that I probably won't even be able to remember them all. Like it's all good. Okay, so when you talked about um, you know, you be, when you were on your healing journey and you, you got to a certain place and you thought you'd be able to to circle back, oh, but it I, didn't work that I was like, like, yes. Then they were like, no. No, right? right. <laughs> I, I, I think it's challenging sometimes when you are yeah. evolving and, and like any not even just, um, you know, healing from traumatic events, but any form of evolution with personal development. I find that the more that you evolve, you'll start to repel certain people that don't resonate, right, with with where you're at. And when you are focused on your healing, your conversations are different, your, you know, what Mm. you want to do is different, where you want to go is different. And then if you've stepped away from people to do that, they're still in mm-hmm. that same place. They may not mm-hmm. be ready for their healing yet. They, you know, we, we project our insecurities onto other people unconsciously, Absolutely. right? So Absolutely. they may not be there yet and they may be upset with you for being there. And mm-hmm. I find healed ears listen differently. So they may hear something that you're saying and take offense because oh, they're sure. in a different place, right? They're they're like, yes. So it's yeah. hard to circle back to those. Oh, for sure. They're not ready. They're not even there. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just it. It's like, it's, uh, I realized that there were a lot of folks that I was surrounded around during that time that cared more about their professional acumen than they did like personal development. That That was definitely a place where I was as well. Like, because I felt like 
even in terms of um, the person who I was dating during that time, it didn't match up with like where I was professionally. So Mm -hmm. I knew that there was like a massive disconnect. It's like I was growing professionally. I was, uh, you know, climbing the invisible ladder to nowhere, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it was like my personal life and who I was dating, it didn't, I was like, you know, this nigga shouldn't be here. <laughs> I don't yes. know if I could swear on this show. But... You can say whatever you want to say in your story, your healing journey. Like, we are not here know, to place limits on you, girl. Right. But like, it's like people would be like, Chica, what do you do with that nigga? And I'm just like, I love him. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like, I didn't know. I didn't have, I didn't have anyone to compare it to. And it's like, you know, um, out, uh, how can I say, like, now that I'm in a space where it's like, I am, I've now literally outgrown my mother's expectations of herself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? My expectations for myself have superseded hers. Yeah. So it's like when you're put in a position where you, you don't have anyone to idolize, but literally, you know what I mean? The people that you choose, you know, it's a choice. It's a decision. That Absolutely. you choose to make. I chose not to idolize her anymore. I was like, I can't because yeah. you're just not you. You ain't it. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> and you say right. that with love. <laughs> I say I love you so much, Mama. But you ain't it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I love you, but yes. you and not <laughs> there, there, there is so much there that you said. Like, okay, so one when you talked about, um, you know, when you. I guess you looked at your values and you looked at mm. um, who you were around and they weren't matching up. Mm-mm. I think it's very important for everyone listening <laughs> to make a list <laughs> of what your values are, because yeah. oftentimes not only do our ma- values not match up with the people that we're connected to, but sometimes they're not even yeah. ours. They may have been right. from a, a parent that, you know, had some growing to do, or it may have been from, a community environment, whether yeah. that be your church or some form of, of community. Sometimes it's not yeah. our values. So when you look yes. at your values, what's important to you, mm-hmm. it, even the point that you made of, you know, people around you were chasing accolades. Like it yeah. totally resonated with me because it made me think it's probably been probably, I don't know, four years or so now, but mm-hmm. something happened to me, which shifted my values and my focus and my priority became peace, love, connection, mm-hmm. joy, all of those things. And mm-hmm. everyone around me was chasing the next award and chasing the next TV appearance. And, and I was like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know what this I mean? It's not it. It just it's wasn't not it. it. Yeah. It's not it for you. Yeah. You, you see, the thing about it is that, that people don't understand. And I think that... Um, I think it was uh, actually Mustafa, the poet that said this, fame is fleeting. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It comes and it goes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I've had like little douses of fame here and there. I could give like, if I had a hundred fucks to give, I've probably (laughs) given 17. You know, I'm I'm literally like laying in my bed most days and like minding my black ass business. But it's like, (laughs) you know, I don't care. And I think that if, if it comes, then so be it. But it's not the thing to aspire to because it right. comes and it goes. Yeah, it's fleeting, yeah. you know. But what's solid is relationships, human connection. Yeah. What's solid is uh, yourself, your relationship with God. Yeah, you know what I mean, or whoever you believe in. Even if you believe in nothing, you believe in something. Yeah, right. It's like I think that I had to, 
I had to find something solid uh, to place my feet 10 toes down on. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I was placing my feet upon before wasn't solid. And the people that I was looking towards to drive it forward also weren't solid. So it's a, it's an ongoing practice for me Mm -hmm. of reminding myself of uh, what's valuable and what's important to me, because, you know, no matter what, as I continue to grow and as I continue to evolve, you know, there's a reason, a season, a lifetime for all the relationships that are in my life. And, you know, what do they say? New, new level, new devils. It's like whenever there's a new level and a new circle of people, I still have to remind myself I'm still here. My values are still the same and mm-hmm. I'm still standing 10 toes down on God on myself and what I've gone through, you know what I mean? Versus, you know, men or whoever, like, you know what I mean? Like in my family, most of the women, what did it like? Listen, my, I'm filled of women that, uh, run man, man don't run. (laughs) (laughs) Not deal. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I'm the only one, uh, I think I'm the only one. No, no, no. There's another cousin, but like, I'm technically the only one in my family that, uh, you know, dabbles on the other side, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or on a few sides, like I'm, well, I'm explorative. And I think that because of that too, it's like, because I've explored other options and other experiences, I guess I'll say it's made me, I think a lot more fluid. And I think fluidity equates to at times, um, a broader mindset or expansion mm-hmm. in the mind. So yes. it's like, uh, it's a lot easier for me to be like, hmm, like this doesn't work for me or hmm, auntie, I think you might be a little off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, being true to yourself, listening to your yes! own and having that discernment, not taking on, you know, other people's, you know, say or thoughts or words as gospel. It's something you mentioned earlier when you said, you know, not to put your mom's business on Front Street, but I feel like... <laughs> Love you so much. <laughs> See, it's it's very possible to love you know your family members or your mm-hmm. your parents or or what have you, and still understand that you want more for yourself. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that because I think that our parents, their generation, came from a completely different mindset, completely different paradigm. They did the best they could with what they knew, but a yeah. lot of them within the systems within the exactly systems exactly that they were afforded with that's, exactly that's the biggest thing. And I was just going to say, a lot of them had their own traumas and generational things that Mm -hmm. they were already dealing with. So Mm -hmm. now we come into this day and age, we have access to the internet. We have access Mm -hmm. to like free coaching this and therapy this and all this information. So we can choose differently. Yeah, we have more privilege for sure. You know, that I think that, you know, in me understanding like my my privilege, that's where... um, the forgiveness for my mother came because for a while I definitely resented her and I was super bitter. I didn't understand it. Like, I was like, how could you be like this towards me? How could you be like this? But, and now I'm just like, it, it, she just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know anything different. Yeah. And it's like, I, I cannot, um, it's like uh, disciplining a child for something they don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. for what? They'd have no idea, yeah. you know? And if she's open to the teachings, she'll learn. Usually yeah. she's not. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> right. But it's like, I just accept her as she is. And I've just realized on a personal and interpersonal level that my growth is not dependent or informed uh, by her at all. Yeah, that part. It's right just there. not. 
it's just not, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's my responsibility. Yeah. I yeah. agree with you a thousand percent. Like I, I, <laughs> I've like, I grew up with a single mom. I have relationships separately with both of my parents. Okay. Same. They're like I love polar that. Opposites. Same. <laughs> polar opposites. <laughs> Where's uh, your mom from? Where's your dad from? Both of them are from Jamaica. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. So there, there's a lot of unhealed things on one side yeah. where a yeah. lot of the behavior and actions are unhealthy, yeah. but they don't know better, right? Yeah. And they dive deep into quote unquote spirituality, but yep. not applying certain things so that you can see the fruits of their labor in their world. You, yeah, you don't. They're not actually doing anything. the work in real time. It's right. like you're just you're just reciting scripture. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, I, it's like you know, I really can't. I'm like, this is making you know. There's this guy on. Sorry, I'm always segueing. There's this guy on Instagram that I follow. And he just he's this comedian, this Jamaican comedian, and he's so funny. He's always talking about like what his mother said to him, and mm-hmm. she's always just like, look how you put this in the stove. Like it's just, and I'm like, this is. This is really deeply traumatizing because yeah. we all know her. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? Yes. And Jamaica, unfortunately, being despite the fact that it's like literally like one of the smallest islands, it has so much influence. Yes. So much influence. And a lot of the parents and the people that come from um from Jamaica, you know, it's gonna take just a lot of uh a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of prayer to get uh, Jamaicans to stop running from the, uh, what does my mom always say? There's so many of them, all these like adages. He, he, he who he I hear must feel. feel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. okay. And, <laughs> oh, me and you are not size. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, exactly how old do I have to be until we are? Yeah, you know <laughs> how much larger must I get before we're size? Okay, right? like <laughs> I don't understand. Like I'm like I don't understand. There's you know? a lot. I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's a lot that I had to unlearn. And as okay. much as I love the Jamaican culture, as much as I oh love my, my parents, I feel like there's so much that I had to unlearn to be who oh. I am today. Because a lot of it was messing with my paradigm. It was it's keeping like yeah, very problematic. <laughs> and it doesn't leave a lot of room or space for growth. Yeah. yeah. They're like these like short-term like scriptural answers for things. I'm just like, this is an answer at anything that I've asked. And she always uses these uh these adages for things that like I'll be like, so are you dating anyone? Me and you are not size. I'm like, well, that doesn't really <laughs> Doesn't answer the question. Answer anything. <laughs> right? Right. So I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> but okay, so this is where it's important that we found community outside of our home because oftentimes, oh especially when it comes to healing traumatic things, I was reading called What Happened to You um, oh, by yes. Oprah and yes. uh, Dr. Bruce Perry. And they I were talking it. about, okay. it, it's really good. It. I read the audiobook and I have the physical, but they were talking about how important healing is in, or how important community is for healing. Yeah. So people who have never gone to therapy, but are able to find and heal through community. 
And I think a lot of us have either had to create our own communities or find communities for that support because we didn't get it, you know, in the intimate connections that we thought we would have gotten. Absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And I think that, you know, I was raised kind of sheltered in a way. So I think that being able to open up in, in some senses, uh, even, even now, like it's, uh, it's really scary sometimes. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, like, what are they, are they able to get me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even like, uh, super recently, actually, there was somebody that I met online and we kind of started a little, a little ting-a-ling-a-ling and <laughs> a little ting-a-ling-a-ling school bellering. And I was like, okay, I'm really feeling this. And I think I was so scared at like navigating this particular dichotomy simply because I was scared to explore like, just like the idea of like dating online. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like, no. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. my boundary, the way my boundaries are set up, like I was like, I don't know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yes. And I just, um, I think I had to talk to like a couple of close girlfriends about why I was afraid. And you know what I mean? Like, because everything about this person is like on point, like there, mm-hmm. there was nothing, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's presenting himself as he is. Like he's in full, full on front street. And so am I. <laughs> Yeah. But then there's still a side of me that's still very like apprehensive and almost like groomed in a way uh, or trained in a way to mm-hmm. no, not, you know what I mean? Like yep. outside of this, this box that I've created for myself. So it took a bit of like, um, you know, I think, it's, you know, at times where you kind of feel yourself like hitting a limit or hitting a place where you can't move forward, you have to ask yourself those like really important questions. Like, why do you feel like this? You know what I mean? Like, what, is there anything firm in uh, how you feel? Like, is it, is it actually, is it, uh, is it true? You know, is it, (laughs) is it true? Mm-hmm. Is it true? Or like, is your mind making up stories? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think, and I'm a musician, I'm imaginative. So I was just like, oh, let me think about all of the ways <laughs> that this could go wrong, right? Like, But then that becomes a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because our imagination is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, I, I just talked about this in a, a previous podcast I just recorded where like our imagination as we get older, yeah. you know, we allow kids to use their imagination, but then as we get older, we're taught to be realistic or, you know, to think a certain way or, you know, that's not normal or that's weird or what have you. Yeah. Not realizing that our imagination is vital to us manifesting and attracting the things that we want because good or bad, based on the vision that we've created in our mind, we attract mm-hmm. that. So oftentimes mm-hmm. we unintentionally attract bad things because we're so focused on what we don't want. So the more that we focus on what we don't want, we start to attract what we don't want, right? So self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It's I had to learn that lesson because I was like, I'm someone, so I was diagnosed with anxiety years ago after I had my my son, but it's like Mm -hmm. I am someone who can go down the rabbit hole of all the things that can go wrong. I'm a warrior naturally. I'm just like, oh, well, we have to make sure this, 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 you know, all these things don't happen. So I have Mm -hmm. to work on it, but I have to be very intentional about mm. where I let my mind go because I realize mm. how powerful it is in terms of like manifesting the good things. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> we're not playing with this power. <laughs> totally, totally. I feel that. 
<laughs> but even when that. you're talking about, you know, when you feel a certain thing or, you know, you, you started talking to this person and you, you're having these like triggers and you have to ask yourself if it's true. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it comes from, again, our parents' upbringing. So for example, not to put your mom's business back on Run Street, but when you mentioned like her- She retas- is the prototype <laughs> child. <laughs> 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 but you talked about her past relationships, you know, not yeah. being good. So then not only do we look at those things and and see because some things are taught and some are caught. So we look yeah. at those examples, right? Taught and, or caught. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so we it's look true. at those examples and then we like recreate them or yeah. it's like having them constantly instill their fears onto you. Oh, you can't totally. trust men or you can't trust anyone or you, yeah. you, know, you can't tell your female girlfriend this or so they tell yeah. you all these things and yeah. then you start to internalize those beliefs right and now yeah. we're adults having these triggers and like why do i feel that way this person hasn't shown me any signs why am this i is it. why do i have this thick wall up and it's not because of anything that even may be true we just have to ask ourselves where did that belief even come from yeah i think that you know for me, the regurgitation um, of like repeating like rhetoric from family members was that didn't stop until I was probably maybe 30. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then after that, it was like, okay, this has got to end. Like, I have to reframe the way that I think completely. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to start from scratch, from ground zero and rebuild my way up based mm-hmm. on my own um, morality, my own values, my own mentality and the things that I've learned, you know, but um, because it's coming from your life source, you know what I mean? It's like my mother and out, out living that outgrowing that and deciding for myself, like I'm going to do it different. Mm-hmm. That took a great deal of work. Uh, it was a great deal of therapy a lot of, um, a lot, just a lot of like alternative medicine, very, various things, but ultimately it was a, it was a choice. It's a choice. It's a decision. And I realized that I couldn't depend on her for everything in terms of like mentally, like she's very stunted in, in a lot of ways God love her. But yeah, I'm not like I, my mind is so vast and I'm very curious um, I'm also such a Scorpio, like I have to know all of the things, you know? So yeah, I just kind of realized that, yes, I, I think in my early twenties, there was a lot of like regurgitating happening, a mm-hmm. lot of the, a lot of that. And now it's more, um, informed. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, love, I love that you said that because I feel like, you know, as we grow through teens and twenties and, and stuff, the regurgitation of what we've been told by our parents. And like my son's dad used to tell him like the most random things. And this poor child in elementary school, like repeating things that couldn't possibly make sense. Like the hole in your sock being because you farted too hard, like just madness. <laughs> so, Listen, but I have a couple of those too. <laughs> <laughs> right Lord but it comes mercy. to a point where we have to like get the information that is accurate mm-hmm. <laughs> to not regurgitate what has been given to us <laughs> yes yes when I was in I think I must have must have been in a 
first or second grade. I'll never forget this. I, I must have been in first or second grade. My mom told me, first of all, and I, I think a lot of Jamaican parents told their kids this because I hear it from other families and I'm like, why do you guys think these lies are jokes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Mm-hmm. So my mom told me that if I swallowed an orange seed, it would grow into a tree. Yep. I've heard that from multiple families. I'm yep, like, any why fruit is seed. running <laughs> Any fruit seed. Yep. I'm yep. like, so you guys are just chatting on the phone and talking shit? You guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing. But then my mom took it a step further. She told me that holes in the bread, you know, when like you get an air pocket yep. in the bread, she was like, that came from rats in the bakery. So it wasn't until fourth grade science class that my teacher, Mrs. Hecht, was like, do you know how air bubbles like are made in the bread or, or bubbles are made in the bread? And I was like, rats in the bakery. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, the rats, the rats in the bakery. And she's like, no, Tika. She's like, it's air bubbles. And I got home and I was like, you lied to me. Like, <laughs> But okay. <laughs> in my mom's defense, right. I am sure, especially if you if you look at like you know some of the environments where that you know they may be in the country in Jamaica, they may have the bread on the shelf. It's open. It's not packaged. Some animal came in there and took a bite. Listen. It may have happened one time. <laughs> Listen to me, okay? When I confronted the, the worst thing is the gaslighting because when I confronted her, she's like, "I don't remember that," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like she never remembers. She's like, I, don't, I really don't recall. Mm. And I'm like, ma'am, <laughs> how convenient for you, right? <laughs> oh man, it's so crazy! It's crazy. <laughs> and I think that the beauty of even sharing these stories is like. Okay, so I love hearing other people's stories because there's always a part of it that you can relate to, whether right. it's you directly or someone you know, there's always a connection. So sure. this is like <laughs> a huge bonus for me in, in doing the show is hearing all these these stories and the and the connections. And it makes you feel like you've formed a part of a community. And you've spoken mm-hmm. to community quite a few times during this conversation. Yeah. And you mentioned on, I think it was, was on your website that I saw where there was mm-hmm. a time where, you know, through someone else's negative voice, you had actually stopped singing for a while. And oh, then yeah. when you restarted, it was basically like the support of community and others um, helping to, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Just encourage me. Yeah. To help encourage you to keep going. Like, yeah. let's talk about the importance that community has had in your healing mm-hmm. journey specifically. Big time. Yeah, I'm nothing without it. Like, honestly, there's so many things that I didn't know. One of the the women that I'm, I'm very close to, and we actually work together now, her name is Jungle Flower. And um, I love, you know, I love her. So Jungle Flower and I met in 20, no, yeah, 2019, 2018. I I did the Reclaim Your Voice. She has an event called Reclaim Your Voice that helps uh, survivors of sexual abuse, sexual assault, really any kind of abuse, like emotional abuse, like the work that she's doing is profound work. So I did this event because it was really the only thing that I had seen in Toronto that advocates for survivors of abuse. And so at the time, I really was aloof about like how long the process of healing takes. To me, I was like, okay, I'm going to do Reclaim Your Voice. I'm going to go back to work next week. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
No child. No. Uh-uh. No, it is a lengthy serious process. And Mm -hmm. so I went to her and we had our initial meeting and I had suppressed quite a bit. And it was not just, you have to understand, it wasn't, I would say that the abuse that I experienced in 2017 was a catalyst for me to open up about the other abuses that I had suppressed. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of the first experiences that I had experienced where I wasn't was an adult and I could speak to this experience plus the ones in the past that mm-hmm. I had never spoken to mm-hmm. or had permission to speak of. Mm-hmm. And so she really helped me to find my voice. Like and not just my voice but the language yeah. to describe the things that had happened. And I don't think I had that before. I really really was missing that. And so that was imperative mm-hmm. for me. But then that circle of people that showed up for that event, there's a lot of people that I still keep in touch with um, that assisted me with that process. Community has been, I would say, like a lifesaver in terms of just me awakening to myself and and my own voice. And you have to understand, like, I think that one of the things that I realized is that in terms of relationships, if I if I was in a relationship that was not good for me, I would always know if I wouldn't be able to sing around the person. Oh wow. If I can't sing around you, that means that my my I don't trust you. My body doesn't trust you to open up. Singing is a very vulnerable thing. It's an mm-hmm. extremely vulnerable practice, especially for myself. So like if I was in a relationship with someone I couldn't sing around, I knew that that person was unsafe. And yeah, I think that that's kind of like how I learned and realized that a lot of my romantic relationships were unsafe. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I had to be out of a relationship to literally find my voice. Yeah. That I had suppressed not only my singing voice, but my speaking voice. I had repressed myself. Wow. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So whenever I'm chatting with like other women or other survivors or whatever, even just like other musicians or performers, I always tell them that their their vulnerable voice or their singing voice is a loud like instrument or compass in terms of where to go and where not to go, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I yeah. love how... I love how you figured that out for yourself. I feel I feel like there's always something, and if we pay attention, there's always something, a part of our mm-hmm. true selves that if we cannot share that, we know we're not in a safe space. For sure. So I, I love that you pointed that out. Yeah, for sure. And you know, even like when I was uh handling and running my series, uh The Known Unknown, for seven years, I also didn't sing. I only hosted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, yes, definitely. I think that there was underlying feelings of an unsafety, but it's like, it wasn't until I started my own entity that I was able to, you know, be myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of these, these things, you know, we, we, we start them with, with uh, certain intentions and we don't realize that the intentions might not suit us. Yeah. You know? And I, yeah, I had to kind of grow and evolve and and figure out my politics, 
my 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 personal interpersonal politics and just like what works for me what doesn't work for me what feels safe to me what feels unsafe to me what's clear to me what's unclear to me yeah and to be able to inform okay this is where my life path is going or it's definitely not going in this direction Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. The voices is powerful, but like, that's been like, uh, one of my strongest compasses. I love it. Community I love it. and voice. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, love- I feel like we could like sit here and like have this conversation for hours. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we have to make that a part two because there's like, I know. So much, so much we could unpack. Okay, so before we go to the final segment, I want you to tell people where they could stay connected with you online and learn more from you and about you. Oh, perfect. Um, okay, so I am right now currently. I'm just on Insta. I came off of Twitter because I got I got spooked. <laughs> I get Sometimes it. I be getting spooked. I'm like, oh, it's time to shut it down. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, I'm Tika the Gift on uh, basically like all forms of social media, and then my website is with lovetika.com. and. Uh, yeah, to reach me, just hit me up on Insta. That's like one of my favorite platforms. I'm not on really on TikTok like that. Like everybody seems to move to TikTok or like YouTube, and I'm just like, child, I'm still on Instagram. I'm still here. <laughs> I feel like you're stream. Yeah, like I'm like hollow. This is where I'm at. But yeah, like I love to hear from others. I used to be very like, like I think more like recluse. Now I'm like more like, yes, yes, it's time to open up again yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and, and come back into a free flow yeah um so yeah I think I have moments or like uh seasons I think my my emotions are seasonal you know what I mean In the winter months yeah. I'm kind of more like oh hibernation time yeah and then like closer to the summer I'm just like oh it's talking time you know <laughs> Yeah, I love it. So I will definitely have like all your links to connect with you in the detailed section um, of the episode. So they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. Yes. And for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire, but um, I'm a rule breaker. I don't like rules. So I kind of break my own rules. So I used to say, you know, answer one word or one sentence, but then I tend to ask people to unpack. So we'll see where this goes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So do you have a favorite failure? And if you do, what has it taught you most about life? Ooh, do I have a favorite failure? Yes. My favorite failure is not a specific, I think, uh, situation, but one of the the most hardest lessons I've ever had to learn is that you have to let go to make room for better. You Mm -hmm. have to, Mm -hmm. you just have to, no one taught me this, you know, I'm clinging, I'm clinging. (laughs) I'm just like, but I can take them. You know what I mean? They can come too. Can they come too? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you got to let it go. I think it was my therapist that, that said, yeah, it was my therapist. She was like, imagine you're at a barbecue with like, a bunch of family members that you do not really fuck with and they all have cooked amazing like food you know at this potluck or whatever and you're going down the buffet line and you know uncle so-and-so you know hands you like some turkey thighs and like you know so-and-so has like some oxtail and blah 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 and you're taking all this food because you don't want to be disrespectful Mm. and then you get to the end of the line and there's like someone there that you love and they've prepared the dish that you absolutely want the most. And she was like, 
what do you have to do to accept what it is that you want from what you love? Yeah. And I was like, eat it? And she's like, no, you clear your plate. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Right. I love I that. I was like, identity. eat it? <laughs> <laughs> the nasty ass food from the people that hate you? No. Right. But you see, like that <laughs> that's how it was operating before. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like I, I have to swallow this pain. And she was just like, girl, put down you can put down the pain, sis. You don't yes. have to hold on to that. Yeah. You know? But I think no one had presented me with the option. Yeah, I, I love that. It's similar to something I tell my clients about, like, if you, especially if you're a people pleaser, yep. if you say yes to this thing for someone, yeah. what do you say no to, to yourself about? Mm-hmm. So you have That's to ask it. yourself, like, what, what are the sacrifices you're making to please other people, especially with other people that you don't mess with like i had to say to my daughter yesterday if it's not a heck yes it's a heck no so you know we gotta think about those things and i think we weren't taught that growing up because we weren't taught about boundaries healthy boundaries um, and respecting ourselves absolutely yeah yeah i had to learn that the hard way so i would say that that's definitely um my biggest failure is like not knowing how to let go Mm. okay yeah when was the last time you cried the other day I cry all the time girl I, I be crying <laughs> I cried and it was a it was a deep one too it was like you know I'm no longer a, a practicing Christian I would say I'm more spiritual but you know when I was going to, to church consistently and I was a, a technically a youth pastor um yeah. in my teens so I would say that you know one of the things I noticed when I exited the church was that um, every Sunday I would release, I would cry, I would, you know, they'd be hovering the hands and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And when I left the church, I was no longer doing that. So now uh, I've made it a practice that like Sundays, that's, you know, it's interesting. I have my little sentimental Sundays mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's my moments of meditation and release. Um, I'm usually listening to like sound bath healing, meditation healing or chakra healing music and like I intentionally release. So like I do that every Sunday Love it. Love <laughs> without it. fail. Yeah. I interviewed a woman who said for her, she loves to cry in the shower and that yeah. she like made it a practice. That is, that is her space. That is where she feels safe to cry and release. And it's almost intentional for her to go in there and like wash it all away. Yeah. You have wow. to, you have uh, to. Yeah. You got to let it go, right? Yeah. You got to release. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. um, When and where are you the happiest? Oh, wow. You know what? God, surrounded by community. Or like shows, shows, surrounded by community. Happiest. I'm in love. I'm at peace. I'm with God. You know, I, I just, I live for unification. I live for it. And when I see like a sea of black people together, it brings me immense, immense copious amounts of joy. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think that's my happiest place. And if not that, definitely like spooning with a lover. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. I yeah, love that. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I live it. I live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that so much too. 
Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. I, um, but they're both together, t- togetherness. I love togetherness. Yeah. We're, we're wired for connection. Yeah. And I, I think that the pandemic and forcing isolation has done a lot of damage to people because we are wired for that connection, wired for community, wired, you know, to, to be around people and to love and to interact. So yeah, yeah I get it. I get it. It's so nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. Last but not least, Tell what me. do you wish women would do more of? Tell somebody, tell anybody that loves you about your pain. Mm. Yeah. When you're in pain, we, we are not, um, I don't think that we're equipped to, we, well, no, I shouldn't say we're not equipped. We're definitely equipped to hold on to pain, but it's one of the things that I deeply believe should not be normalized. We shouldn't yeah. be doing that. Yeah. You know? So if you have someone that cares for you in your life, uh, please tell them about your pain. And I learned this from, uh, Miriam Hosna. If you don't have anyone that you trust in your life, feel free to tell it to the river and the trees. Mm, yeah. yeah. Tell everything nature. Is everything yeah, is spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Tell yeah. nature about your pain. Yeah. But nobody deserves to hang on to it. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree with you. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for yeah. your laugh. Thank you for your energy. Like I don't Thank take you. it lightly. And I don't know if you've realized I've been following you for over 10 years. Um, what? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I have, um, okay, so my sister passed away in 2012. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Okay, thank you. Um, But it was her who brought me, I believe it was to one of your shows or something. Um, So she was very close friends with Katie Ann. Katie Ann, I know Katie Ann. Who's like Katie Ann again? Um, Katie Ann. They're like super tall, slender, dark skin. I know this. Um, Katie Ann, last name. Uh, oh well, don't 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 bother yeah. her. Love me on there. <laughs> I'll tell you after. Yeah, tell I'll me tell you after. <laughs> Before yeah. Katie comes through, you just like girl. Yeah, I know. She listened right. to the show, so right. But she's gonna um, be like, people in Trinidad are they know my situation exactly? Yes. <laughs> right. But she, Katie Ann had invited my sister to an event and I went with her and you were performing. So that was the first time I had seen you perform. I stayed connecting with you. Even when my sister passed, um, I think there was a club shortly after she passed that my friends dragged me to and you were there. You were super kind, super sweet. Um, So I've been knowing you for a long time. (laughs) We've been knowing each other. Exactly. Well, this is a long time coming. I've been wanting to come on your show. I've been watching you do your thing. It's been awesome to see your evolution and your success. You deserve it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. This is what community is all about. So if there's any way that I could be of value to anything that you were doing, I would be happy to have. Well, girl, yes, come to the next show. I'm on it. Come out your house. Bring your kids. (laughs) And teach me about your decor. I need to get my decor. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, this has been such an amazing and just like, uh, just a really um, uh, beautiful and like, it, it made me feel, this conversation made me feel like uh, alive and revived. You know, so I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. The show has been like a form of therapy for me and I get to have these conversations so often. And I know I only only publish like one per week, but sometimes I'm having like six to eight, you know, podcast interviews a week. So it's it's very therapeutic. And being able to 
connect on a deeper level. You know, you may admire someone on social or, you know, see their pictures, but being able to have a deep conversation, like I thrive on these things. So again, Mm -hmm. I thank you for your time and your energy and your spirit and your light. Um, (laughs) Just thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. And yes, I, we definitely have to do it again soon. Yes. Okay. And to all of you listeners out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. And I'm going to challenge you. I want you to share today's episode with like at least three women and feel free to screenshot this week's episode. And you can tag Tika at Tika, the gift. I was like, I'm, I'm like T I K A T D I F T. My glasses are like foggy. Right, it's okay. It's all good. Yeah, and you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to tune in each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5 percent. And that's out of over three million podcasts out there. So thank you. Amazing. Yay. I love that. <laughs> a healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. Yay.